Welcome to What to Discuss Now. For those who may not be familiar with your work, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm David Palomero. I'm the director of a movie called Murder Made Easy, which is like an Agatha Christie kind of kind of story. <laughs> That's me. And uh, speaking on Murder Made Easy, how long were you attached to this project? That's been a while. I first came up with this story for Murder Made Easy back in 2014, and then I got together with a friend of mine, Tim Davis, who's a writer, and I pitched him the idea, and I wanted him to write the screenplay, and that was the fall of 2014. Uh, we did some camera tests and stuff in 2015, and then we, it's a long process. We, we uh, actually yeah. shot it, we shot it in the fall of 2016, took it to festivals for about a year and a half, two years, and, and finally in 2019, it's being released on Blu-ray and digitally. So it's been, all in all, about five years. So yeah, it's been a while. Um, what films would you say kind of inspired this, or was this just completely your own kind of baby, how you kind of made this film project? Um, well, I'm a huge fan of a film called Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite films uh, in general, and certainly one of my favorite films of his. I've always been fascinated by the long takes that he did in the movie. You know, he was one of the first people to try that. You know, no cuts, just these long takes. And I think, like, the cameras back then were these huge 35-millimeter film cameras, and they could only hold 10 minutes of film at a time. So he could only do 10-minute takes, you know, 10-minute scenes, and they had to change the reels. And he did clever things to hide the cuts. I think it was, like, seven or eight cuts in there. Um, but... I just was always fascinated by the film, the way it was done from a technical side and also the story. You know, it was a play before it was a movie and, you know, the themes that it talked about. I, I just, so when we came up with the idea for Murder Made Easy, it was actually, you know, it's obviously cheaper to make a film in one location, but also I wanted to try something like uh, Hitchcock's Rope. And uh, there are a few other things, uh, Sleuth, which was a play before it was a movie, um, most yeah. of the 70s version. And then Death Trap, which was also a play before it was a movie um, with Christopher Reeves and uh, Lawrence Olivier. No, Michael Caine. Sorry, Michael Caine in that one. Lawrence Olivier is in the original movie version of Sleuth with Michael Caine. But um, those three things and also um, anything Agatha Christie, you know. So I always loved murder mysteries and we wanted to try one of our own. So that's how it came about. Have you watched the ABC Murders yet? You know, I don't think I have. That's an Agatha Christie story, right? Yeah, and that's uh, John Malkovich as the lead as well. I haven't seen it. I should check it out. I'd like to see it. I, I like that. I like that stuff very much. <laughs> and what did you think of uh, the newest Murder on the Orient Express with uh, Johnny Depp and Josh Gad? I, you know, I liked it. I heard mixed things about it, but. Um... I actually kind of enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, I liked the original a lot, too, that was made in the 70s with uh, Albert Finney, I believe, was uh, Hercule Poirot, uh, but um, also had a star-studded cast back then for the 70s. Uh, but no, I, I enjoyed the new one much more than I thought I would, and it seems like murder mysteries are having a bit of a comeback. Like, crime documentaries are very popular, and then, you know, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, Kenneth Branagh, the new film we're talking about, and I heard he's going to direct um, Death on the Nile, um, a remake of that next, and then there was just a movie on Netflix with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Adam yeah, Sandler murder mystery. mystery. I can't yeah, bring so myself. Like kind of... <laughs> I can't bring myself to watch any Adam Sandler <laughs> movies nowadays. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Well, and also, actually, Ryan Johnson, who directed The, La- the Last Jedi and Looper, he's a, re- he's a really talented director. He's doing um, his next film that's already been uh, shot and is coming out later this year. is called Knives Out, another kind of murder mystery. So I think people like that kind of thing. So I always liked it, so it's cool to see it come back. Maybe people who like that kind of stuff will like our movie, too. <laughs> you know, I really loved uh, Ryan Johnson's film Brick with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. Also crime, kind of a crime thing. Oh, it's like a, yeah, very much so. Very much like a crime, crime noir, but take to place in modern day, yeah. So I guess he's got his roots in that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of, uh, of that film and all, all of his films, actually. I think he's a really talented director. And continuing on, like, influences by film, what films got you into being a filmmaker? Uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm a Star Wars kid. You know, I'm old enough that I was actually, uh, I got to see the original Star Wars, A New Hope, in 1977 in a theater when I was a little kid. My dad took me to see it, and I think it kind of blew my mind, and that's where it really started for me. Um, and so Star Wars was the first thing, and then when I was in high school, in junior high school, my friends and I got into stuff I would say that was a little more darker, <laughs> like uh, yeah. Black Orange, uh, David Lynch films, and things like that. I'm a huge David Lynch fan. Um that's when I started getting into horror films. Some of my friends would bring over movies we'd watch, like Evil Dead 2 uh, and um, Reanimator, things like that. And then once I got to college, I actually did study film production. And there was a couple of uh, film theory classes. And that's where I was exposed to world cinema, things like Tarkovsky, who did the original Solaris. And uh, I took a class on him and just the history of film. So there was much more uh, a wider view for me at that point, you know, um, of like a uh, foreign cinema, things like that, and I really that really opened my mind uh, too. So it was co- sort of a combination of all those things. Yeah, uh, I've seen the remake of Solaris with uh, George Clooney, and I absolutely loved that one. I haven't seen the original of it though. Oh, I'm the opposite. I couldn't bring myself. I love Solaris so much. Tarkovsky's films are very. Um, for me, they're very—they're a little bit tough. I think we—I think we watched all of his films in that class. They're very slow, um, but they're amazingly made. And um, for me, Solaris was the most accessible of his films, and I really liked it a lot. And so uh, you should definitely give it a try. I, I sort of wasn't able to see the new one because I, I'm so biased that I like the original. Right, so much, but right. Maybe, I feel that way sometimes too. <laughs> yeah. Like I yeah. mentioned that in. Um, my Chucky review on the Child's Play review this weekend, excuse me, uh, I kind of mentioned how horror and science fiction fans just kind of treat original versus remakes like originals were family heirlooms that were just handed down to them. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think um, it just depends, you know, it really just depends on um, Suspiria, for example. I saw the new one and I really liked it. It's very different than the original. I really loved um, it, too. Uh, I think, I think, um, I mean, like a lot of people, I just don't want to see remakes just for the sake of a remake, you know, like Suspiria was, um, a reconceptualization, if that's a word, he can kind of made it his right. own thing, it's very different than the first one, but when you just get remakes, I mean, it's, a, it's, movie business is a, a money-making business, it's a business, and so, of course, you know, they see these properties like Star Wars and Marvel and, and you know, uh, Alien and, and Chuck, any of these properties that have a fan base and they just, they remake them because it's, you know, they're risk adverse and they want to make money. It's a sure way to make money because you already have a fan base. Yeah, and you already um, have that built-in you know, uh, community with it, with the nostalgia, nostalgia and everything with it. 
you get people interested in seeing it. Like, uh, prime example is how people wanted to see a new Jurassic Park movie when uh, the first one first came out a few years ago. And then nobody wanted to see the Independence Day uh, reboot. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, something like Avatar fascinates me because the movie made so much money and still holds a record, but I don't, um, whenever I go to uh, comic book conventions or comic cons or anything like that, I don't see a lot of people dressing up in, you know, in uh, Avatar cosplay. So I wonder how what kind of fan base it truly has. So I'm curious to see how those sequels do, but... Um, I'm like everybody else. I just want to see good movies, whether they're remakes or not. I'd rather see original stuff because I think that's more interesting to me. But, um, you know, like uh, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, some some great examples. Um, There's one that comes to mind. It's like something like Suspiria, you know, is really good. Or like John Carpenter's The Thing, which technically is a remake. Yeah, and that was a perfect um, remake. Thing from another. Because the original was like, what, from 1954? Yeah, I don't know exactly. It was from the fifties, and uh, so um, uh, you know. But I mean, there was forty years between. Well, no, sorry, thirty some odd years between those films. Maybe about thirty years. And uh, you know, it used that used to be the case. You know, they would remake films when there was a lot of years have gone by, and, and some director or somebody would get inspired to do it. But now, you know, it's much more driven by by, by money and stuff. But uh, I, I, you know. For me, I'd rather see something original that's interesting. Like a movie like Annihilation is more interesting to me than, you know, um, the fifth, I don't know, or the twelfth uh, Jaws film or something. I don't know, but you never know. <laughs> like, uh, I loved Annihilation when that came out. That was probably one of my favorite movies of last year. Yeah, I agree. I, I enjoyed it a lot, too. And it's the same, I believe it's the same writer or writer or same director or both that did... Um, Ex Machina, so I thought that was really good, too. Yeah, and he also wrote uh, Dread, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe I didn't know that. Um, but um, it's a weird time for film now because you have great content that's on streaming, TV shows and movies, and then you have yeah, the big Hollywood films that tend to be what we're talking about, more remakes and, and, and franchises. But then within that, you can find there's so much other content in the indie film world that you can find some really cool hidden gems, you know? So it's, it's kind of an interesting time right now. Yeah. Like speaking of original films, I thought, uh, the perfection on Netflix is one of this year's best horror movies. Uh, which one? Uh, the perfection. Oh yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I don't know if I liked it as much as others, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a great example of that. Um, there's lots of little films like that that you can find, um, uh, yeah, there's tons of them. There's, there's a film a few years back called Starry Eyes that, that was really great, a horror yeah. film. And uh, Oz Perkins, who is the uh, son of Anthony Perkins, he's done The Black Coat's Daughter and I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House, and those are two great films. Ty West, I'm a big fan of what he's been doing, especially his early films like uh, House of the Devil and The Innkeepers. So, um, yes, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, I think for the viewer, you can get bummed out about the big Hollywood movies that maybe might disappoint sometimes, but then there's so much other content you can find. Um, and sometimes you can find some really, really great stuff. Like, I was talking to one of my best friends this year. I'm, like, he's in a mood where he, like, doesn't go to the movies much anymore. And I'm like, hey, you can still find great content at home, like uh, Lords of Chaos went straight to videos on demand in iTunes when it was only really released in Los Angeles and New York. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think so. I mean, that's kind of the, the challenge today, right? There's so much content, it's almost overwhelming, right, for the viewer. Uh, but it also gives an opportunity for a lot of films, like, like our film, you know, when it gets released on Amazon Prime or whatever, you know, um, it, it gives an opportunity for smaller films to be seen. Uh, to a larger audience that you wouldn't get through a traditional theatrical distribution model because, I mean, films like this that are small, they're not going to get a theatrical release, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a weird time. It's, it's, it's Like I said, it's weird yet exciting. <laughs> like, a lot of the movies I'm wanting to see this year seem to only be getting limited releases, and if they're playing in my town, it's really one theater that's playing them really late in the afternoon when I'm at work, so I gotta wait a few months to actually see it. Like, I don't know if you heard of it with the American Woman with Christina Hendricks and Sienna Miller. No, I haven't seen that film. I haven't heard of it. So, it's about somebody's daughter goes missing, and they try to find her. And it's only playing at an art house theater in my town, but, like I said, it's only playing in the afternoon when I'm at work, which really sucks, because I really want to go see it. And other films like that may only get limited releases in maybe 10 states, versus uh, like how they used to be when everything felt like it just got a theatrical release. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of bigger budgeted films that are, like, uh, I would guess be considered more adult or whatever um that aren't franchises or superhero movies they're not getting theatrical releases either like or they're getting like you said very limited theatrical release and so that's kind of changed a lot you know um and so a lot of that i say adult i don't know what that really means i mean i mean just just films that are intelligent or that are, are a little bit out of the box or original that content, a lot of it's going to TV, things like True Detective and, and other really great shows out there. Or even and they would have A-list actors that you wouldn't get uh, in previous decades on TV. Yeah, exactly. So I think like there is still like smart entertainment out there. It's just sort of moved away from the theatrical, traditional theatrical movie release, and it's moved elsewhere to streaming and, and stuff. So... Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so it's kind of exciting because you can find still great stuff. You just, you know, you got, you got, to kind of look for it, you know. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, when you were writing the script for Murder Made Easy, where do you like the starting point of the script to be? Like, do you write from the end to the beginning, or do you just use a middle part, or is it one specific scene you write around? No, I mean, I uh, whenever ever I've worked on stories or scripts, um, it comes and I do it in order. And so basically for Murder Made Easy, I came up with the story and it was kind of an unusual thing for me. I was writing home. I'm, I know I wanted to do something small, something that I could self-finance and, and the murder mystery. I, I, like I said, I love those that genre, the murder mystery. So um, and then I was trying to think of story ideas and I was driving home one day from work and the whole plot of murder made easy from point a to b or sorry point a to z like the whole thing <laughs> um even with its twists and turns came to me really fast um while i was driving and i was like oh that's kind of a cool idea and so i ran home when i got home and i grabbed a notepad and pen and i, I, I wrote the whole thing down the whole story outline and you know in case i forgot it i wrote it down 
And um, and yeah, I, I don't uh, think of twisty turny stories. That's not my thing. I don't I don't sit there and try to think of cool twists and stuff like that. But this whole thing came to me very fast. So um, and I then from that I wrote up a treatment. Of, I think it was I can't remember now twenty page treatment or something like that. And um, they had more detail about the story and the characters. And that's what I presented to Tim Davis, our writer, when I met with him. And I pitched him the idea, and he was a little iffy about it. He's like, oh, I don't know. And then, like, I gave him the treatment, and I said, go home and read it, and then let me know what you think. And he called me the next day, and he's like, this is great. Yeah, I love, love the treatment, so I'd love to, to help you write the script. And so that's sort of how it happened. So, I, you know, whenever I come, come up with story ideas, it's normally in chronological order. Um, and that was the case with Murder Made Easy as well. So, are there any other projects you're working on that you may want to plug? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I guess I should say, too, that Murder Made Easy is now available on Blu-ray <laughs> from a company called Scream Team Releasing. Um, and they're a great company that, that <clears throat> they put out independent horror and thriller films. And so... Um, you can go to ScreamTeamReleasing.com and, and buy the special edition version of Murder Made Easy on Blu-ray. And then later in the year, we're not sure yet, probably in the fall, we're going to be releasing it through a different company called Terror Films on like Amazon Prime and digitally and VOD and stuff like that. Uh, as far as future projects go, um, uh, I actually had written a, a horror script called The House Sitter with a different writer, my friend uh, Suju Vijayan. And so we actually had that script already put together before I made Murder Made Easy. So uh, we're trying to get the house sitter made next, and it's very much like a slow burn horror film of the type that I, I'm sort of a fan of. Like um, like we mentioned before, some of, some of Oz Perkins' films and Ty West and yeah. films like The Exorcist and things like that are kind of like um, uh, what the house sitter is sort of like. So it's different than Murder Made Easy. Murder Made Easy is like a play, like a whimsical Agatha Christie murder mystery play, and the house sitter is much more of a ghost you know horror slow burn horror film so that's that's what we're trying to get off the ground next all right david thank you for joining me tonight hey thank you for having me i really really appreciate it and thanks for sharing that review yeah i mean thanks for taking the time to watch the movie and sharing it i mean i appreciate i appreciate the support you give our film and other indie filmmakers it's uh it's yeah it's really it's really helpful and encouraging, you know, when uh, when when you know, to help the us little littler films get noticed, you know, <laughs> in the big crowd yeah. and stuff. All right, David, have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much.